You're listening to a Mind Cherry podcast. Riding Around is an improvised recap of a sitcom that never existed. Enjoy. I'm Kelly Quinn. And I'm Malin Von Euler Hogan. We met as actors on the hit early 2000s sitcom Riding Around, the first network comedy ever to be filmed entirely on and around a bus. And we're still pretty good friends. And now we're doing the official Riding Around fan podcast. Each week, we'll talk about an episode of the show and bring you interviews, fun facts, and behind-the-scenes stories that only two people who were on the bus can tell you. Come ride around with us. Well, hello, Malin. Hello there, Kelly. Thanks for joining us right after a long flight. I know that can't feel great. How are you holding up this morning? Oh, it's tough, Malin, I have to say. Travel is a privilege, of course, and mm-hmm. I feel privileged to be able to, you know, afford to fly and fly the way that I do. You know, I was flying Comfort Plus, I'll say. I, I, I don't mm-hmm. always spring for business these days, at least in these lean strike times. But nonetheless, a red eye is red eye, right? And you, and you exactly. never feel good. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you sprang for the Comfort Plus, though, because sometimes someone I travel with doesn't always want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so we're, I'll say it's suffering in just the <laughs> regular seats. And I tell you what, they are not built for the modern human body. No. You're crammed in there, a pack of sardines, and it's it's just uncomfortable. So glad you weren't totally uncomfortable there. Were you able to sleep at all? You know, I didn't. I watched several movies and because I'm really trying to, you know, think about the kind of content that you and I might want to be right soliciting for our nascent production company. And I've watched a lot of children's movies since, you know, we're thinking we're going to track right. towards stories by women and girls. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but no, not a wink of sleep, unfortunately. So if listeners, apologies in advance, if I'm a little bit loopy today, I am operating on absolutely no sleep and a lot of coffee. <laughs> well, thank you for doing that research. It's it's good to have a productive flight, even if it's not a restful one. So I have also been doing a, a little bit of work on the production company. I have come up with a name after a lot of brainstorming, ran this one by Carly and she didn't hate it. So I'm going to bring it up to you here now, Kelly, right? And also I would love to hear from the listeners, whether they like it. How about morning story? Now that's like morning glory, but with a different word, instead Mm -hmm. of glory, we're going with story. And I just thought, I thought it's a little like hello sunshine, which is obviously, you know, a company worth emulating. That's Reese Witherspoon's production company. You know, kind of this greeting the day. Hello, it's morning. Aren't we having a nice time? Mm -hmm. And then there's a story to it. What do you think? Just gut reaction. Mahalan, I love it. It's so positive. It's cheerful. It's sweet. I think it's everything that the two of us want in a company name. Oh, okay, great. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Of course, I'm going to need to do some Googling and make sure no one else has already gotten there. And right. Let's do it that now, actually. Okay, you know, while sure. I'm, you know, there. it looks like there's a restaurant outside of Denver. Okay, okay. But I'm not worried about them. I just no. am not worried about them. I think the, the you only run into a problem when it is an entity that could be confused for years. So I think we'll just make it really clear on our website that it's not a restaurant yes. and we should be good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I also see a Wikipedia entry for a British film uh, made by BBC in 1969 hmm. called Morning Story. Outline, a door-to-door salesman finds a young girl playing in the street, which leads him into unexpected adventures. Um, and I have to say, I'm reading through the cast list. I don't recognize any of these names. And also, you know, as you said, a, a, a film from the 1960s cannot be confused with a production shingle in right. Los Angeles and 2023. So right, should be right. all clear. Yeah. But even, you know, just that little log line you read, I feel like 
it's kind of talking about similar stuff to what we're trying to do. You know, a young girl right. adventures. It, it actually is quite a good fit. I'll have to watch the film and make sure it's not sort of disgusting or something. But I, <laughs> I kind of like this. Uh, a bit of synchronicity you've just discovered here. Oh, I do too. Okay, well, we've we've got a name. That's pretty exciting. Of course, we can change it and, and we may do that. But um, for now, listeners, write in and let us know what you think about that. Yes, writingaroundpod at gmail.com. Well, you may have noticed we are a little beat around the bush today because we have to get back into these episode recaps. And... It's been a while. And I'll say, Mullen, I feel rusty. I do too. Watching this episode last night, I was like, oh, right. I used to do this every week. And Mm -hmm. it's funny to take a break from your own show like that. So Mm -hmm. listeners, I hope you enjoyed the watch of season four, episode one, which we're going to be talking about today. And if you haven't seen it yet, pause this, go watch it and come back. But I think I'm excited to get back into it. I'm excited for the strike to be over, excited to tell you all to go watch us again. Yes, as am I. Season four, episode one, we're about to recap together. And we had a new showrunner come in for this. Mm -hmm. And when Riley Spaulding came in, you know, things changed. It was not a Diana Bones production anymore. Um, And I'm sure we'll talk about that in more depth and maybe even have Riley on with us at some point. Although I would say neither of us is an amazing touch, right? No, I don't know the last time I spoke with Riley, honestly. Um, I think I've actually kept in better touch with Diana, strangely enough. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's obviously always going to be a Diana Bones show just in its DNA. But what Raleigh did was was definitely interesting. So we will, I'm sure, be talking about that throughout this next season of recaps we're doing. And, And definitely as you notice things, as you notice differences, please write in and feel free to ask us about that or or speculate wildly about who's to blame, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Now, another thing that I was reliving as I was watching this episode again last night, is just the stress that we always felt between seasons, right? And Mm -hmm. and not knowing whether we'd come back. Right. Uh, And it was no different in between seasons three and four. You know, we, of course, had more steam. We were critically acclaimed. We had good ratings. But Mm -hmm. you still never know if something will go awry, especially uh, in the wake of of a strike like the one that we had just right. come off of. Right. And obviously we heard from Robbie Latimer that we were maybe even more at risk than we had realized at the end of season right. three. You know, you're kind of in the dark as an actor. You're not necessarily privy to what the executives are discussing and thinking about you and maybe trying to recast you, you know, out of existence in your own show. But fortunately, we did come back and as always, just stepping onto set day one, you know, there's nothing better. It it is, it's like back to school, but it's like all of your friends got put in the same class as you. I don't, Mm -hmm. it's hard to explain, but it's a really, really nice feeling. Oh, that's a really fun analogy. And Mal and I do have to say, (laughs) Mm -hmm. being humble as always, but Robbie did say in that episode we recorded with him that it was due to your monologue at the end of season three that we all came back. He did say that. And that is so kind of him. You know, listening back, I was having trouble discerning whether he was just being nice or whether that's the total truth, because it's just one little speech. And I mean, it's good, of course, but, you know, it's hard to... It's, it's, it's hard to envision the executives pinning it all on one scene from one actor, but... Oh, well, sure. Maybe there were some other, you know, some other factors thrown in there, but I, I'm going to go with Robbie's theory because you are such a special performer, and oh. mm-hmm. that's all I'll say about that. Well... I love you for that, Kelly. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, why don't we go ahead and read our little synopsis of season four, episode one, and then we'll get into the nitty gritty. 
When rising gas prices cause increased ridership on the bus, the old guard has to resort to aggressive measures to keep their treasured seats. This is such a fun one because we are drawing, you know, the writer's room drawing from the real life gas crisis happening at that time. Mm -hmm. Prices were skyrocketing. And and yeah, so this is an episode that America related to. And you saw that in the Nielsen ratings. Good Lord. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the promos for this season just had everybody locked in because, you know, look, you're in fall 2008. This is on your mind. You see that your favorite show is coming back and it's tackling this issue that you're facing every day when you drive to work. I mean, people were, let's say, jonesing for it. I think it was Mm -hmm. a really smart move, uh, you know, on Riley's part. I mean, I I guess I don't know if Riley was solely to credit for the the pitch for this episode. Could have been been any number of the writers. writer's credit on it so could oh be. okay well then yeah so so credit to to riley spaulding then for that and riley did get immediately that our cast is at its best when we're having some playful competition mm-hmm. yes and some of the physical comedy you've come to know and love from all of these characters mm-hmm. is in full force here you know you've got ethel doing <laughs> Throwing elbows, let's say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And just her facial yeah. acting, as always, just bringing Hilarious. me to tears. Yes. Yes. Sending me. A new person gets on the bus, tries to sit next to Ethel, where she always puts her big bag full of stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the eyebrow raise that she does. Oh, my I gosh. was laughing. My girls were laughing, too, which is so fun to see that sort of cross-generational uh, bridge Oh, yes. Yes. And that was what is so great about sitcoms like this is you can really be any age. Well, let's say we'll start it at eight up to, I think, Mm -hmm. how, you know, 100 plus and and you can really enjoy the Mm -hmm. show. Eight to 100 plus. Absolutely. It's it's so true that people of all those ages can enjoy the show. Tell me if you noticed this, Kelly, but, you know, Gus had done that film whose name escapes me. What it, he's, He plays a teacher who is very motivational. And, and he did an indie, basically, between oh. seasons. And yep. I felt like he had a gravitas to him when he returned this season that was not there before. Yes, I would agree. When he came back from City Kids, he City was Kids, yes. a different, <laughs> different actor. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was cool. It was unnerving in some ways because, yeah. you know, he had already been sort of the the lodestar of our show. Absolutely. And he was aware of it. And so having this, you know, now I'm a real actor too, energy yeah. coming yeah. in was a lot. And I think it goes to show that you really grow as an actor when you get to play opposite new people. And so mm-hmm. that's why it's so important, right? Just if any sitcom actors out there are listening, it's really important in that off season to go find some things that'll challenge you yourself, you know? Right. I did a commercial. I want to say it was between seasons, hmm, maybe five and six. I, I, I'd have to check. Honey Bunches of Oats commercial. And mm-hmm. I was opposite John Stamos for that. And I, I, look, it was a day long shoot. I learned so much. I learned so much. And I, and I probably in had in one day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was a long day, uh, but I think what I picked up working with John that one day probably transformed my performances. I, again, I think we'll all see it when we watch that shift from seasons five to six. So anyway, similarly, I think that's what happened with Gus doing this film, working with all those, those kids. And they, by the way, real city kids, they cast mm-hmm. actual city kids for that. And I think the naturalistic performances you're able to get out of those non-actors mm-hmm. sometimes really, really 
inspired his it future performances. The level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, can I ask you? I've never had the pleasure of working with John Stamos. Mm-hmm. What's one lesson you would say you took away from shooting right. with him? Right. I think for me, it's the intensity. Mm. So, and I, and it's not like, oh, he stays in character the whole time, but he it does everything intensely. So we're both sitting right. at this at a you right, know, sort remember, of your breakfast table. And wife. Yes. Uh-huh. And just even when he's walking onto set, the steps he takes are so purposeful and mm. intense. And the look on his face is, I'm going to nail this. And uh. I, I think sometimes I can be a little internal and I can be a little bit, or, you know, prior to this encounter, could be a little internal, could be a little... I don't know, timid, stepping on to set. And with John, he's just so intense, so intense. And, and, and so I think that's what I took away was intensity. Oh, isn't that cool? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, a, like, a, like television's Daniel Day-Lewis, it sounds like, just a gravitas. And we've already used the right. word gravitas this episode. Um, but, you know, it's a good word and we should all be using it more. It is. And I, and I think it's important as it relates to acting. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I don't know if it comes up a lot otherwise, but... Uh, maybe it should. Maybe it should. Acting in politics, you know. Oh, politics. Sure, sure. Listeners, write in. Let us know if there are other fields where you you feel you hear the word gravitas used more or less commonly. And speaking of politics, this is happening fall 2008. And I can remember when we were watching it live, you know, this season, season four, seeing a lot of political ads in between the show, which, you know, fortunately people love the show and they weren't turned off by it, but it was pretty brutal seeing all the McCain stuff and all the Obama stuff. And, and we'll talk about it later, but I think Kelly, you being a little bit of an outlier on set in your support Uh, for, yeah. John McCain. Yes. uh Yeah. And I, I I did campaign for him the entire summer in between seasons Mm -hmm. three and four. And listen, I do it again. You know, he's a prince. He was a principled man. And, uh, mm. and I was proud to mm-hmm. vote for him. And I was proud to have campaigned for him. And mm-hmm. we don't have to get into, you know, the Republican Party has changed a lot, I would say in, in the intervening years. Oh, unrecognizable. But, uh, you know, a, 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 a brave, decent man. Right. And that's what you would tell us all the time. Well, yeah, you have to understand I'm coming on to set with my little McCain Palin button. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is the time Tina Fey is playing Sarah Palin on SNL. The party looks like a laughing stock, And I'm not loving that. Right. I'm feeling alienated. I'm feeling alone. I'm feeling misunderstood. Because, you know, people really think, even then, more so now, I suppose, but you vote Republican, you're hateful. You're such a, you know, you're a, right. a bigot. You don't, there's certain groups of people you just don't like. And that was never the case. You know, it's it's about uh, responsibility to me. It's about personal responsibility and um, fiscal responsibility as a nation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure. Sorry. I'm a bit distracted because I was just looking up to see when exactly Tina started playing Palin. And I know that was tough for you to see a friend and a peer making fun Mm -hmm. of your candidate. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, oh, and Amy too. Ah, Amy playing Hillary. I mean, wow. If only you or I looked like any of these jokers, huh, Cal? We could have gotten in there. Wouldn't that have been fun? Granted, those two women had a history with SNL that we didn't, but... It right. would have been would have been cool, um, and maybe that's something that could happen in the future. If if any right. redhead politicos are thinking of a presidential or vice presidential <gasps> run, g- oh, get in there please. and give old Mal a chance. You know, give old Mal a chance. <laughs> Let's get that trending. Listen, I don't know if any. Uh, I'm trying to think of who I bear a resemblance to, who I could even play. Maybe 
mm. an, an Ann Coulter. I don't know. Sort oh of, goodness. Yeah. With the, with the blondes of the long Republican wig. party these yeah. days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Lauren, if you're listening, we, we could make ourselves available. I'm happily, happily fly into New York and, and Kelly is a local hire. So yeah. I'm a local hire. Think so. about that. <laughs> Just think about it. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Wow. This I mean, what a time capsule this this really is. And this is this is the joy of recapping these episodes as we're transported back to a time yep. an election year. And look, we're heading into an election year next year. And uh, well, let's just say I'm excited to see what SNL does with it. Oh, certainly. It's always a highlight of the election <laughs> cycle to see exactly what those crazy guys do right. with our political system. Mm-hmm. So fun. And, and it never gets old for me. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> Uh, but let's look at some fun moments from the episode that we're talking about. Yes. Obviously, we've got Ethel being aggressive, but I actually right. thought that that Frankie's bit with the skateboard, you know, we've seen him hold a skateboard, but to use it like that on the bus, I mean, we just right. hadn't seen it before. No, we hadn't. That was so funny, you know, almost using it as a battering ram yes. to try to keep people from getting on the bus, mm-hmm. you know, sort of barricading the entrance. And Gus is like, you have to stop, young man, you have to stop. And we see once again, that sort of father-son dynamic yeah. uh, returning between mm-hmm. the two of them and Gus being very stern and Frankie being very mischievous. And that's a lot of fun. And you also got to see Sammy be a real sweetheart in a yes. way that you don't, you know, he's always sort of goofy, yeah. and a little bit sexual, but right. he gets up and is such a gentleman and gives his place on the bus to an older woman yeah. who needs a seat. And I I wondered if it was a bit of a an allegory for immigration or something cuz Sammy is saying let everyone in. Let everyone on this bus. Mm-hmm. Let's open up our seats, our hearts, our minds to these people coming in and obviously we've had some questionable storylines with Sammy and, and immigration and I wondered if this was Riley trying to right a wrong from previous, you know, Sammy featured episodes. I don't know. Am I reading into it? Sometimes I can go no. way too political with this stuff. Mullen, I don't think at all. And you know what? I'm kicking myself for not listening to the director's commentary of this episode because maybe we we would have gotten more insight into that. Oh, right. But I don't think it, that's a reach at all to assume that this storyline with Sammy is in, you know, direct opposition to the sort of comical way mm-hmm. that Diana's riding around treated the topic of immigration right where we're seeing goofy ice agents and you know it's just it's a bit it was a bit much I think it's fair to say I liked it you know because I think all (laughs) people have to do those jobs and you know good and decent people do Uh work in jobs like that oh okay right and I think Mm -hmm. and I think Riley would would disagree and that's what's honestly so cool about the creative process as we've got so cool different opinions all coming in and then they're being sort of let's say averaged out into something acceptable right yes speaking of something acceptable i mean i don't this is (laughs) maybe i'm forcing this segue but well and i'm remembering your hermes bag and we've got to talk about it you know yeah kevin concealer brought this up ages ago our makeup artist uh in our episode with him yeah you you started you got a glow up. I did. Know, at least I accessories did. wise. Yes. No, not plastic surgery wise, um, of course, but I did. And I think, you know, at, at the time I was like, oh, well, you know, we all got these salary bumps or whatever. I, did, I didn't want to make a big, well, except Kelly, because Daryl was not handling your affairs well yeah completely above board but you know we had gotten these salary bumps and I guess yeah when you're heading into season four of a show you feel pretty solid and um so that's what I attributed it to at the time but in truth 
my husband at the time had actually given me that bag. That felt somehow unfeminist for me to to go around saying. And yeah, right. it was a last ditch effort on his part to try to win me over or win me back. I was, I, you know, I was one foot out the door and he was like, I know it'll get her back a bag. And it's like, you do not know me at all. If you think a bag is the way to get me back. And, and it wasn't, and we would go on to split up, you know, during this season. Right. Yeah. He was not, he was not great, <laughs> but I, uh, I still have that bag and it's in, it's in great Listen, condition. Cause I have gorgeous leather bag. I trouble mean, carrying it to forever. be honest, just with the emotional, um, connection to it but right uh, I'm sorry then to even bring it up Um, no 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 it's it's I think the fans probably they they love this sort of behind the scenes stuff and hearing about the fancy things we own so I think it's fun to talk about Mm -hmm. and listen if you want to send that bag my way if it's getting so triggering that you're you just can't have it anymore I mean you know what I know a gal who could use a her an Hermes bag you're joking I I I might do that and you know I'll have to insure it obviously send it make sure it's safe but I Uh I really am not carrying it that much and it's it's gathering dust you know and I, I see on, I see online sometimes people have these beautiful bag organization systems and it's something I should probably look into because right now oh, yes. you know it's just hanging on a on a hanger and in, in the back and I you know when I see it if it matches an outfit I'll, I'll carry it but I just yeah yeah so I guess this Christmas look out for a, a package from <gasps> wow. Old Mall yeah because <laughs> um, I'd, I'd love for someone to appreciate it and and you've had a rough year Cal and I want you to have some nice things. Oh, isn't that so sweet of you? I have had a really rough year and I, you know, I do think I deserve something nice if, yeah, whether that's an Hermes bag that my friend pre-owned and and (laughs) wanted to send to me or, you know, just a, just a lucky break of some sort. I know. Whatever form it takes, I'm open to it. My, my burden and my blessing as our guest Leon mentioned a couple episodes ago ready for that blessing, ready for the blessing. And I, I tell you what, I think the holiday season is when we tend to get those. So mm-hmm. fingers crossed this December is good to you. And I really do think, you know, coming out of this strike, we, we're certainly going to have some, some career positives come our way, some blessings in that sense. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I need it. I do, you know, yeah. I just need yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is the red eye talking, you know, so I'm, I'm unfiltered oh, a little yeah. raw cause I haven't slept, but I really need a win. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I have no excuse. I'm well rested and I'm still going to just put my desperation out there for all to see. I mm-hmm. truly, truly need this. <laughs> and Robbie, I've been texting with Robbie a little bit, just, you know, I, he was so lovely on the podcast and, and said he would keep yes. us in mind. And so I've, I, I got some, I got, I got Carly to take some photos of me. I probably am going to need to get a real headshot photographer. Cause I, Oh yes. I mean, I'm, I don't doubt that Carly is talented yeah. in anything she turns her hand to, but you've got to get a real photographer. I, I still yeah. have my guy out in LA mall. And if you want me to connect oh, could, you to. Yeah. Could you do that? Because I, I, I did sent what Carly took to Robbie just to get, you know, just to get an expert's opinion. Does this read? Because unfortunately I'm going out for sort of older mom parts at this, at this uh, point. And I wasn't yeah. sure if I was striking that right balance of maternal, but attractive, but. Mm-hmm. but fun and, and sarcastic. And I, I, cause I think that's probably where I'm, where I'm sitting these days, casting wise. And Robbie he, he hasn't, you know, look, the holidays are busy, so it's, it's hard to sometimes hear back from everybody, but right. I am trying to put myself out there and, and Kelly, I think you are doing the same. I know. And that's really all we can do, huh? 
Yeah, it really is. You know, for listeners who are interested in the trade of acting or aspiring actors themselves, Mm -hmm. I have to say Jenna Fisher's book, uh, Jenna Fisher, of course, Pam from The Office, a friend of ours, she does an amazing job of breaking down the craft and the business of acting. And she has a great, I think it's a full chapter on headshots and how to sort of choose Mm -hmm. the... um, the energy that you want to exude in those headshots. And, you know, it's, it's advice I wish I had when I was breaking into the business. Totally. And there's some really funny old ones of herself that she puts in there that I think you all will get a kick out of. And that reminds me, Kelly, have we ever put out our old headshots? Cause that could be (gasps) fun is to show everyone the headshots that we got cast in writing around with. I think I bet everyone would get a real kick out of that. I think so too. I think I smell social media posts this week. Oh, let me write we'll this have down. To tell yeah. Carly to boot it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and on that note too, um, let us know you guys, what you would like to see from us on social media and, and if there's anything we could be doing to, to sort of amp it up. Right. Right. Cause we have, you know, we do our best to maintain it and, you know, you and I both poke in there. Certainly we are reading personally responding to stuff, but we do mostly have folks from mind cherry now taking mm-hmm, over that mm-hmm. stuff and managing it for us. And then of course, Carly helping too. And, Mm-hmm. And shout out again to the team at Mind Cherry Mullen. Mm-hmm. Veronica and Matt, you guys are the absolute best. We love you. Yes, you are much better at names than I am. Thank you, Mullen. <laughs> <laughs> Any last memories from the filming of season four, episode one, Mullen? I mean, you know, big premiere. No, yeah, for, for Jenna B, let's make sure we're really hitting these episodes hard, right? That's what, this is what you want, and this is what you'll get. Right. I'm trying to think, I mean, the last shot of the episode, I think is one of the best, you know, no offense to Diana, but it is one of the best sort of final shots of a, of a sitcom. Obviously, we get the, the little tag after it, but the way that we go out and everyone is just sitting in their seats, content, and it's like, well, we know this won't last because it's, you know, a, a cast of jokers um, and it's a sitcom. But seeing everyone's content face yeah. was just, I don't know, it was kind of artful and, and moving. I agree. You know, they've sort of been forced to uh, examine the luck they have in, in being able to take this mode of transportation every day and reflect on the community that has brought them. Mm-hmm. And honestly, yeah, a very poetic final shot. I agree. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember, I know this was a Terry directed episode, so I suppose we can credit him with this, but I'm remembering his direction to us was go to your happy place. And that's, that's what resulted in those beautiful faces you see. But I, I'm actually having trouble remembering what my happy place was. Do you remember Kelly, what yours was? I do. Isn't this so silly? It was the ball pit in a McDonald's play place. (laughs) Don't you remember you? I mean, just, oh, yeah. you know, when you're a kid. Totally. And no, yeah, yeah. You, I spent a lot of time, banked a lot of time in in those things and <laughs> just sort of diving into the balls and then laying down at the very right. bottom, Ooh, yeah. waiting to see if anyone would discover you. And in the meantime, just sort of looking up at all the colors and moving your hand through the shapes, uh, mm. really a sensorily satisfying experience. Wow. And one that I come back to even as an adult, you know, sort of my rosebud maybe. That's so funny because to me, as you describe it, you're saying, my mind goes sensory nightmare. And yet you're Mm -hmm. saying the opposite. And I just love how we're all informed by such different experiences in life. Because, you know, I think my overriding memories of, of ball pits as a child are just, ew, gross, how disgusting. Please, please, please don't, 
let me be in here too long. <laughs> sure. I mean, that, that makes sense. Objectively, they are filthy, <laughs> disgusting places. No, no, um, but I, but I, I think it's so wonderful that you weren't burdened by that yet as a child. And, and maybe it would have been fun for me to have a little more freedom at such a young age. Yeah. Do you remember yours, Malin? I don't. I, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm racking my brain and just looking at my face. I'm going to have to guess it was food related, but I uh-huh. can't. But I can't pinpoint anything specifically. I mean, I can say generally. Maybe, the, maybe your lunch burrito, maybe the daily burrito you honestly, were thinking already. Yeah, I might not have gone too deep for it. I might have just cast my memory back to our lunch hour and and been thinking fondly of, of a burrito. Yeah, that sounds like me, doesn't it? Sure does. Well, Kelly, I think I think we've still got it. And I think this has been an absolute blast recapping 401 for everybody. I hope everyone's enjoyed it at home who's listening. Yes, Jenna B, let us know. You always do. So pipe back in. Let us know. Are you happy that we're back to reviewing these episodes and getting into the nitty gritty of A stories and B stories? I mean, this one, you know, sort of a just a, a mega story, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Is this one also a bottle episode? We didn't, you know, we didn't really get into it, but uh, most episodes of this were a bottle episode. So I think probably this one was too. Yeah, I agree. True bottle. Well, join us next week when we'll talk about season four, episode two. And thank you so much for sticking with us throughout the strike and and back into this new frontier of season four. Yes. Cheers and see you next week. Honk, honk. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. Thank you also to Kelsey Bailey for our logo and to John Purcell for our theme music and for mixing the show. You can follow us at Riding Around Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And send your thoughts and questions to our email address, ridingaroundpod at gmail.com. Please subscribe, rate us, and review us anywhere you find your podcasts. And if you leave your favorite Riding Around memory in your review, we'll read it in an upcoming show. Come back and join us next week. We'll have another great episode for you that you won't want to miss. See you then. Hack, hack.